Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Okay, so as Mark said, today's message is about modern slavery and why it impacts us today in today's society Um, and why we as Christians, we need to know about it and how it affects us on a day-to-day basis and then also how we can have an impact as individuals. So to get there, though, we do have to have a bit of an understanding about what it actually is. So I'll be going through that in quite a lot of detail today. So I've become interested in this area in the past few years in my work. I'm an employment lawyer, so um, generally I work in discrimination and all those kind of human rights things as one part of my work. And so this is a bit of an extension to that. Um, A few years ago, the federal government enacted the Modern Slavery Act 2018. And so this is a new piece of legislation, a new thing for big businesses. So it's large businesses that are now required to look deep into their supply chain and um, investigate that and report then on the risks of modern slavery in their supply chains. Um, So I've been learning a lot. Um, I did start from a very very basic knowledge and been learning a lot. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people in the congregation today who also know something about this in in different aspects. So um, I'm hoping I can just add at least a little bit to your knowledge. Okay, enough of an introduction. So let's get started. So today what I'm gonna be talking about, as I said, modern slavery, why we need to know about it as Christians, the risks, causes, indicators, and um, the response in Australia by the government to modern slavery, and then what we can do. Okay, so the first, let me check my little doobies working. Excellent. So the first slide, who, this is the audience participation part of today. Who knows what this is? Uh, First hand up. Cocoa bean, very good. I have a prize for you. Can you catch? I didn't tell you there was a prize, but I will tell you there's a prize for the next one. Okay, so actually, not this question. How many people in the congregation eat chocolate on a regular basis? 80%. Yep, I think there's quite a large percentage of us. Okay, so then the next question, which has another prize, I I might just ask for, well, actually, no, just ask for general people. So tell me um, how many uh, kilograms of chocolate you think, on average, Australians eat per year? Hands up. Who wants to have a guess? Remember, there's more chocolate up for grabs. 15 kilos over here. If he's the only one who answers, he's going to get the chocolate by default. So 20? Uh, 40? 40? Uh, 10? How many do you think? 10, okay. Well, so I've got, actually got two different answers. Um, the, the first one came from a survey of about 40,000 Australians who responded to a CSIRO. So they, they are a, kind of a diet, they're in the diet industry. Um, they thought that there would be 32 kilograms per year. Um, so I think that Mark might be the, the closest to that one, but I actually then looked up uh, another, which looked like a bit more of a more authoritative um, survey, and they said that they thought it was about five kilos. So I don't think anyone got that low. So, but that actually sounds about right to me. About five kilograms a year is probably how much I eat. Um, so chocolate is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and yet for every hundred grams of chocolate that's sold in Australia, which costs us about two to three dollars, the cocoa farmers for the cocoa beans they get about 19 cents. And this is not enough for them to have a living wage, which essentially means a wage that enables them to live above the poverty line. Um, Many cocoa farmers and their families live in extreme poverty. 
making them vulnerable to exploitation and forced labour. The income, as I said, puts them below the poverty line. And this means that they often resort to child labour and slave labour to keep their prices competitive. Uh, roughly about two-thirds of the world's cocoa comes from West Africa. So that's Ivory Coast, Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Excuse my pronunciation. Um, so there's approximately two million children engaged in dangerous labour in cocoa farms in that region. And many of these child labourers are working on farms where their fam it's their family farm. So there's a significant amount, also a significant amount of adults and children who were then trafficked into these farms and experienced horrific conditions and abuse. A report from a few years ago said that Nestle could trace only approximately 49% of where their cocoa beans came from, to the, um, from their global supply through to these farms. And Mars could trace just a mere 24%. So if the chocolate manufacturers don't know exactly where their beans come from, how can we as consumers? Essentially this is because about 90% of the world's cocoa beans come from really small independent farms. And what they do is they join all the cocoa beans together from different farms, from different countries, and then they sell it in bulk to the chocolate companies. So that's why they don't know where their cocoa beans come from. It's an inherent industry risk. So the odds are that the chocolate bars that we buy in the chocolate are tainted by child labour and or modern slavery because these practices are so pervasive in the chocolate industry. And this is a luxury product. This is not something that we need on an everyday basis. This is something that when we buy it in the shops, I sit there now and I think, oh my goodness, where did this come from? So this is just one example of a product where right at the bottom of the supply chain, there's slavery involved, and it's something that we eat on an everyday basis and we have no idea about. Okay, so just a bit of an overview about what is modern slavery. So this is the definition in Australia. Um, it's got that list there. So it can be trafficking in persons, it's slavery, servitude, forced marriage, forced labour, debt bondage, which essentially means that um, it's often where a poor person has paid to get it in order to get a job and then um, they have a loan because they've paid that amount of money and then they're just bonded to those people to try and pay back their loan, but they're never actually at a point where they could pay it back. Um, the worst forms of child labour, so that means extreme forms of child labour, so it involves serious exploitation of children, including enslavement or exposure to dangerous work. Um, and then deceptive recruiting for labour or services. Modern slavery is where there's some kind of coercion, threats or deception involved to exploit individuals and deprive them of their freedoms. There's a bit of a continuum. So um, in Australia, more often, if we have some kind of um, un unhappy work relationship, it may be that it's a substandard working condition or an underpayment. But those things in themselves don't alone meet the definition of modern slavery. There needs to be some kind of a deprivation of freedom or um, physical or psychological threats. So it's a hidden problem. The real problem is that many of the products and the goods that we consume on an everyday basis are tainted with modern slavery from other countries through that global supply chain from businesses across the world. So Australian companies might procure the goods or component parts or services from around the world um, and therefore be unwittingly involved in that modern slavery and human rights abuses. And then we as consumers are again unwittingly involved. Um, so it is a type of organised crime um, per perpetrated by, sorry, perpetuated by corruption and has deep links to poverty, vulnerability and disadvantage. 
Um, so one of the difficulties for us as consumers is that we have no idea where the products that we purchase come from. Um, or how the raw, raw components are made, um, or how they're mined, or anything like that, or even how they're manufactured in a lot of instances. Um, they're basically, that's one of the big problems of these supply chains is that whatever we buy is completely separate from where it comes from. There are more slaves today than there have been in any time in history. And of course, trafficking of fellow humans is not new, and even in the Bible there are stories, um, quite a few stories of slavery. So, you know, one of the first ones was when Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. And of course, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and they were set free from God through Moses. So the statistics are quite frightening. Uh, there's at least 40 million, 40.3 million victims of slavery around the world at the moment. So that's not quite double the amount of people in Australia. So there's a lot of people. The numbers are made up of um, 24.5 million in forced labour, 15.4 million in forced marriage, 4.8 in forced uh, sexual exploitation, 10 million children in slavery. So even in that, that in itself is a scary statistic. And it does um, mostly impact on women and girls. So that's 71% of women and girls. And actually it's increasing significantly every day. So they say at least 25,000 people per day are enslaved. And those figures have also increased during COVID because of the, the nature of any kind of natural disaster or anything like that where there becomes a whole lot more vulnerable people. So is it illegal? Of course it is in Australia, definitely. And even in internationally, pretty much in every country in the world, it's illegal. Um, in Australia, it's illegal under the common, um, on the Commonwealth Criminal Code Act, and there are penalties of up to 25 years in prison if you get caught doing it in Australia. Um, but that doesn't mean that those laws around the world are enforced. And like any other organised crime, it does flourish in certain environments. So why do we care as Christians? I'm sure that this is self-explanatory for, for most of you, but I thought that we'd just have a reminder of why it's important so that we um, can connect back to, to our reason for living and back to God. Um, so at the highest level, it's the second most important commandment that Jesus gave us. So Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? And the first one he said was, love your Lord with Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second reason is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So that second commandment there has obvious implications for how we treat people on an everyday basis um, in our lives, considering that Jesus meant our neighbor to be anyone and everyone that we meet and interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. But it does go further than that and, um, as, and links in with many other Bible verses that then talk about what God requires of us. So particularly today, I'm going to focus on Micah 6. So let's read it together. Well, I'll read it for you and you follow along. I've got it up on the slide there, or you can obviously find it on your phone. So Micah 6, 1 to 8. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusations. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? What have I burdened you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. 
I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted and what, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you might know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with, a calf, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the soul, sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So the context of these verses is that Micah is speaking to a community where there's widespread religiosity. So um, just going through the motions and lots of religious leaders. It would have been quite a shock for these people to, who thought they were following God to have then had God rebuking them through Micah. So we can group these verses into, into kind of four sections. The first two verses have um, God, I'll go back a bit. The first two verses there have God um, launching his case against Israel with creation to act as the jury. So while we don't get a list of the charges um, against the, um, Israel in this actual section of, the, of Micah, it can be found in other sections of Micah. So chapter 3 says that they were not embracing justice, that they were hating good, that they were loving evil. And then later in chapter 6, talks about them having ill-gotten treasures and dishonest scales, and that the rich people are violent and the inhabitants are liars, so quite a long list. Then that second section, the second section, uh, verses three to five, is God's question about what has gone wrong. This is where he outlines his faithfulness. Each of these stories are times where God was faithful, but the Israelites were not. These verses remind us of how, who God is, how he shows compassion and mercy even when it isn't deserved and how he's faithful no matter what. And then in the third section, the people reply. So it says, with what shall I come before the Lord? This is basically the people admitting that they've sinned. So they're not going to make any attempt to respond to God here, to count his accusations. We can see some increasing desperation in the verses. So it starts with coming to God with burnt offerings, one calf, a thousand rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil, and then their firstborn even. So it again demonstrates though that showy religion that's being practiced. It's trying to put a price tag on God's forgiveness. It's an attempt to buy out something that they can't buy without having to actually change their behavior. Then this last section, um, is God's response through Micah, Micah 6.8. In the verses that we're going to be focusing on, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, of course, just being clear here, this is not a way to be saved from our sin. Um, as Sue's gone through today, uh, we are reliant on Jesus, um, his perfect gift for us, his dying on the cross, his salvation. Jesus' gift again demonstrates God's faithfulness and his love for us. But what this is suggesting, though, is what flows from being saved, of course. So it's a life that's then filled with God's compassion and love for others, demonstrated by our actions. 
This is about us discovering how God wants us to behave and us wanting to follow him because he first loved us. And because we now know, we know the worth of his children, that they are made in his image. So this is Micah 6, 8. So this is the one that we're going through today. So the first requirement, I've actually switched these around. So this is number three on the list, which is now going to be number one for today. In some ways, number three, in my view, should be the first one that we're looking at because it's walk humbly with God and the other ones all flow from that. It's a poet, me poet metaphor that's used frequently throughout the Bible, that walking, living a life with God in his presence. It does mean coming to know God better and humbly understanding that we aren't God, that you aren't God, um, but that God should be the centre of, of our lives. Coming to know God means understanding his character, and that's when those next two requirements come in, to act justly and to love mercy. If we understand the holiness of God, the love of God, the heart and desires of God, then we can see how injustice flies in the face of all that he is and how it's absolutely abhorrent to him and it breaks his heart to see one of his children caught up in slavery. In many occasions in the Bible we see, hear about God being the father to the fatherless um, and that's where that verse is there. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling from Psalms 68. This is part of his character. So he identifies with, advocates for, and stands for the poor and the oppressed. And that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The call of us is to live out the justice and mercy of God. But what does this justice mean? It means advocating for the oppressed, it means treating people equally, or sometimes if the situation requires it, treating people unequally for people who need special care, for particular vulnerable people. Um, this verse of the Bible really picks it up. So the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And there are plenty of verses throughout the whole of the Bible that talk about us seeking justice for people. And the next one, so loving mercy. Mercy in the Bible can mean a, a couple of different things. And there's obviously the mercy as forgiveness. So God having mercy on us um, and forgiving our sins. But there's also mercy in this context, which is more practical. Some translations have this as loving kindness. There are numerous times in the New Testament where we hear about people who have some kind of physical concern saying to, saying to Jesus, saying to one of the disciples, have mercy on me. And then the response by the Lord or by the disciple is to heal their, their, their physical ailment. So we're called to be people of compassion and the result of which is to take action. So it's not a passive forgiveness. It's an action. It's a how can we help these people. So to do this, we do have to have a good knowledge of what's going on around us. And that's kind of where I'm coming from today is at a minimum, we need to know what's going on so that we can make sure we're not contributing to any problems. Um, so we as a community need to ensure that we have a knowledge of a variety of different um, social justice issues, one of which is modern slavery. And that's what we're doing today so that we can know what we can do so that we don't contribute to it. So now that we've been reminded of the call to act justly, to love mercy, I'm now going to give you a bit more information about modern slavery itself so that you can understand the issues involved and know what you can do to help. 
Um, I'm going to tell you about where the high risks are, the causes, root causes, and then what's happening in Australia to campaign against it. But first, I just wanted to start with a short video. So Sue's going to put that on. Modern slavery entraps all ages and all walks of life. Most often it's the poor and vulnerable. They have the same hopes for their lives and their families that we all do. Hope is a powerful deceiver when you're desperate, like it was for Tway in Myanmar. His family was desperately poor. Their crops were failing. Tway was chosen to work abroad and send money home. He found an agent who offered him a factory job in Thailand with a loan to cover the fees. But when he arrived, the deal had changed. There was no factory job and the loan was gathering interest. If he couldn't pay, they'd go after his family. He was forced to work on a fishing boat to pay off his debt. Once aboard, he was beaten into submission and worked constantly except for a few hours of rest. When Tway's shipmate complained, he was pushed overboard. There was no other escape. When the boat docked in port, he was locked below. He did not set foot on land for 17 years. Modern slavery is where one person has taken away another person's freedom to control their body, to refuse certain work or to stop working. Freedom is taken away by threats, violence, coercion, deception and abuse of vulnerability. Over 40 million people work in conditions that look like slavery. They get paid nothing or nearly nothing and they can't quit or escape abuse because of threats, force or coercion. That's modern slavery. So where in our supply chain, um, or when the products that we use are the biggest risks? The top five products in Australia are, are electronics, apparel and clothing accessories, fish, rice and cocoa. And all those countries listed there have high risks of modern slavery um, in relation to those things. One of the, the things that you don't understand, that we don't understand is that things like electronics that have uh, lithium-ion batteries in them and deep within the supply chain right at the beginning of that it requires cobalt and cobalt is often um, farmed again in West Africa kind of areas and um, the mines there the children are the smallest and able most able to get into the mines so electronics is a really big problem um, in those really tiny comp um, components of our phones, of our laptops, of our computers. So it's something that we use every day. Um, and the other ones there, of course, apparel, clothing, accessories. Um, we've, a lot of us would have heard about that stuff. But fishing boats, as we just heard then, people who get stuck on fishing boats and can't get off. Um, and then there's also rice and cocoa, as I've talked about earlier. So the underlying causes from a business perspective or from a consumer perspective is the demand for cheap labour, cheap services, cheap products. And the root causes and drivers um, are up here. So they're really complicated. They're not things that can be easily solved. Um, it's poverty, discrimination, marginalisation, civil disruption and um, armed conflict, weak rule of law. So that just basically means laws not being enforced. Natural disasters, COVID as we spoke about. Um, so basically human traffickers and people involved in slavery trade on people's hopes. So their hope for a better future for their children the hope for education, the hope for a job, the hope to provide food and shelter for their families. 
Vulnerable people don't often know their rights or don't feel like they have any other option. They don't know that slavery is illegal or that there are laws in place to punish, uh, persecute and imprison perpetrators. They're un unaware of the risks of falling into slavery and they're susceptible to lies. So what's happening in Australia to try and combat modern slavery? So there, as Mark said in his prayer earlier, there is actually slavery in Australia. They think that around 200 reports are made to the federal police each year of modern slavery in Australia. And there are um, prosecutions of um, people involved in slavery. So there was one in the middle of last year of um, a lady who was an, a grandmother, um, so elderly type person who was in forced servitude in a, in a family. So basically the uh, mother and father had this old lady working for them and um, so they were sent to jail for her atrocious living conditions. They only found her when she was emancipated and basically dying. So that's when they finally took her to the hospital. Um, so it does happen in Australia, but mostly we're talking, the things that we can do about on this everyday basis as well is stuff about the, the supply chain that we've been talking about. So the government enacted this Modern Slavery Act in 2018, and it requires companies to investigate their supply chain, their operations, and then report on those risks um, in their supply chain and say what they're trying to do about whatever risks they find. But this is only for big business. So this is large organisations which have revenue of over $100 million. So, um, so it's, it's targeting the really high end at this stage. Once they do their statement, they have to do this on an annual basis, and they upload it to a website, um, which is called the Bond and Slavery Register. So it's publicly accessible, so anyone can go and look at what efforts people have put into their modern slavery statement. Unfortunately, there's currently no penalties uh, for not complying with the Act or for providing information that's false and misleading or even for just making a token effort. So the compliant mechanism, compliance mechanism in this Act really relies on reputational risk. So in the hope that companies will be encouraged to, what they say, race to the top. Um, so try and beat their competitors. There are a number of social organisations and businesses um, and even um, investors who have reviewed and reported on these modern slavery statements. So there's about, I think there was about 1,500 that's put out, um, that was put up last year. Um, but in my work, I've, I've advised a few companies on this Modern Slavery Act, and I've already seen some companies who do the bare minimum, minimum who've come to me a week before the statement is due and said, here, have a look at this. And um, of course, if you're gonna start something a week before it's due, then it's not going to be very good. Um, but even so, this is still requiring companies to start thinking about things and ask some questions. Um, and it does have, it is having a trickle down effect, which is really exciting. So some large companies, then they have to ask the entities below them and the smaller entities and the smaller entities like that. So it's having some kind of a trickle down effect, which is exciting. And it is also then giving people like me the opportunity to educate other people and ask questions as well, which is the start of making change. So other government responses, um, so there are some countries around the world that have similar acts to Australia, that Modern Slavery Act that we were talking about. Um, but one interesting thing that the United States has um, is this banning of certain imports. So they can ban an import if they think it's come from slavery. So early in 2021, cotton and tomato products from the Western China Xinjiang region were banned um, into America. So the order applies to raw fibres, apparel, textiles made from Xinjiang grown cotton, as well as tomatoes and sauces and seeds from other regions. 
Um, so this is due to the, um, the allegations that they made with forced labour from detained Uyghur Muslims in that uh, region. Um, there are even reports that they've been quite tricky about this toma the tomato products where they, um, they break them down into very, very, very concentrated tomato pastes, export them to Italy. Italy then makes them less concentrated and says they're made in Italy and sends them to Australia and sends them to Canada and places like that. So it's really hard as consumers to know that kind of thing. And that's why we need both the big businesses to do something about it and also we need the governments to do something about it. And this is the, the um, United States government doing something about that. So they've also then, in late 2021, there was medical gloves from, from Malaysia that were banned um, as an import into America. So there's been some pushes in Australia to have similar bans on products from the Xinjiang region. So Senator Rex Patrick um, introduced legislation um, mid last year, and it was passed in the Senate, but then it was blocked by the government in the lower house. So that one didn't go any further. And then there's another piece of legislation that another um, independent MP, Rebecca Sharkey, introduced to ban goods by forced labour into the Federal House of Representatives in November. So if this, these types of legislation can get up, then, um, then that will really make a big difference. Um, but at the moment, they're still being considered by the government. Okay, so now I've given you a lot of information, and the next question is, what can we do about it? So this is, this is the hardest part. The first thing, um, so this is my takeaway points for today. I'm concluding my, my message today. The first thing is, to get informed. So there are some really good internet resources out there at the moment. Um, and one of the really exciting things is when you get informed, it comes up in everyday conversation when you're talking about things with your friends. So I've had a number of times and I've been able to share with my friends about some of these terrible statistics that I've been learning about. And it just, I think that the problem, one of the big problems with modern slavery is that we don't know about it. And so if we can understand the links between what we buy in the supermarkets back to the raw products or to how they're made, um, then that'll be a really big start. So there's a couple of websites I've put up there. There are so many resources on the internet about this now. And part of this is because of that introduction of the Modern Slavery Act. And so despite the fact there are problems with the act in that it's not enforceable, um, there are some really big benefits coming out of it. Um, Anti-Slavery Australia has also a free online course if you're interested in doing that. I think it's just an hour long, so it's not a long one. Be Slavery Free has provided a lot of the resources that I've um, presented to you today, so thank you to that website. Um, they are run by uh, a couple of Uniting Church ministers, although they say they're non-denominational as an organisation. Um, and they're more of an advocacy type group and an educational type group. So the next thing to do is to think about what you are buying. So today is your first education. I've spoken to you about chocolate, which a lot of us have some idea about anyway. There are three um, particular products with, cho uh, sorry, three little labels that can be on chocolates that can help you with buying. They are called the Fairtrade, the Oots, and the Rainforest Alliance. So that's a start. But actually also on the Be Slavery Free website, there's a really great chocolate guide that you can go and look at and see what's gonna be the worst chocolate that I don't wanna buy and what's gonna be the best chocolate that I do wanna buy. And then you can be informed and make a decision. The chocolates I gave out today were Whitaker's chocolates and they are high on the list. So that's why I've decided to buy them. I've come to the point of spending, I don't know how long looking at chocolate because it's not something I feel like I can give up. 
at Coles, I look at the chocolate bars and I go, which one am I gonna buy today? Because I just can't handle the idea that someone might be hurting in making a product that I'm eating. So um, it, is, it does make things more difficult at times. Um, so other things, so Be Savory Free also has guides on chocolates and tea, as well as some other resources. Um, you can follow Be Slavery Free on, um, on Facebook or on Twitter, and they regularly just puts up little bits of information. So that's where I learned about that tomato product um, being shipped out of Italy as an Italy pro problem. Baptist World Aid has an excellent resource, I'm sure a lot of you already know about that, the Ethical Fashion Guide, and it's actually really easy to look up. So the other day I was going to buy sneakers for Jonah from school and I was looking up online to decide which one was I going to buy, and I looked up you know, three different types that I was looking up and could see that one had no rating because it, it only rates up you know, bigger companies, but then there were some others that had higher ratings or lower ratings, and that just educated me before I got started in going. Um, there are some apps that can be really useful. So um, Good On You is an app that you can download on your website. And um, Sweat and Toilet, oh, sorry, on your phone. And Sweat and Toilet is another one. I haven't looked at Sweat and Toilet, but Good On You is quite a good one. Sweat and Toilet is one, um, as I understand, developed by the US um, Customs, so, or one of the US big companies. So um, not companies, government departments. Um, if you do want to go and look up those modern slavery statements, they are on that modernslaveryregister.gov.au. And that if you are regularly buying something from one particular company, then it would definitely be worth going and having a look at that. Otherwise, it might be somewhat overwhelming to look through thousands of statements. Um, and the last thing there I've got is thrift shop, because my, um, my view is that if you buy secondhand, then you're dealing with a whole lot of world problems. So an outfit from the thrift shop today, um, which cost me, I think, about $5. So saves money as well. Another thing you can always do, of course, is donate to some organisations who can do something that you can't do. So that's, um, there are many, many organisations you can do, donate to. I'm not affiliated to any, but there are some examples up there on the web, um, on my slide. And the last, um, two more things we can do is keep an eye out for when that legislation is coming through. So that's the advocate point there. So um, that is still in Parliament uh, with Rebecca Sharkey, who's an M Enter, I think Centre Alliance MP or something like that from Western Australia. So keep your eye out for when petitions come up so that you can sign up to them um, or you can contact your local member, of course, and, and express your interest in, in the area. The last thing, but of course the not least thing, is that we can pray for people who, who are involved in slavery and just for this problem generally. So let's do that as our last thing now. God of freedom and of light, we bring before you the world in which we live, work and share. Lord, we pray for those who are enslaved in any way. For those who are enslaved because of poverty and powerlessness, Lord, we ask that you bring them freedom and empowerment. We pray for those enslaved for the hope and because of the hope and chance for a better life, only to find themselves trapped in bonded labour and unjust loans. We pray for those hoping for money to send back to struggling families, only to find themselves trapped in futile jobs for the gain of the greedy. We pray for those who have chanced for a better life, only to find entrapment, loss of liberty and lives darkness, of darkness and shame. Lord, we pray for your people and all the people of this land 
that your light may open our lives to this hidden tragedy of slavery and abuse in the supply chains of the things we buy. That those people and the situations that are hidden in plain sight, that they may be open and may be seen as you open our eyes, hearts and our intentions to see the realities of the systems of this world. Lord, please forgive us for our involvement in this and for the times when we have knowingly or unknowingly turned our eyes from what is happening. Lord, we pray for companies, charities and organisations as they approach the next season to check their supply chains. Lord, we ask that you open their hearts to do good and to grow freedom and to develop cultures of opportunity for human rights, centred on people above profits and freedom above oppression. Lord, we ask you, please motivate them to set up these systems which identify abuses and, Lord, to commit to spend the time and resources needed to investigate these things. And help us, Lord, as we pray, to see people with your eyes, to know their worth and to know that they are made in your image. Break our hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours. As you loved us, help us to act justly, love mercy and walk more closely, walk humbly with you, my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.